What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernation, joined as always by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scout and Devin Jackson. And we're joined by another uh, Blue Chip uh, uh, content creator. It's our guy, Dante Colinelli. Dante, how are you doing today, man? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, anytime. So, um, you know, a little bit of a more lighthearted. Uh, we w- were originally going to do a mock draft off with Dante's favorite team, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, mm. There's just one problem, is that if we went head-to-head doing all of Miami's, like, 39 picks, we'd be here <laughs> till the draft itself. Um, so, you know, Dante is doing something similar to what I'm doing. He's dropping his final rankings, so we figured we'd uh, have him on, and uh, we'd discuss some of the uh, the differences and have him kind of explain himself on some ones, because <laughs> there are some ones I think you might need some explaining. Um, yeah, so, I'm sure there is. We're recording this on Monday, so you've dropped quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Yep. I have up to the edge rankings right now, so we figured just kind of on the positions you have uh, uh, talked about, we, we'll go through. Um, you can kind of give us a little bit of um, kind of where you're at with some of these guys, and then we'll kind of nitpick a little bit because, well... <laughs> Why That's not? Draft That's not fun. For, exactly, right? man. Yeah. We can't all have the same opinion. This is the world of Twitter, damn it. Exactly. <laughs> all right, so do you want to get started with the quarterbacks? Like, um, I've said a lot that this quarterback class, after the first, like, seven is garbage, but really after, like, the first four is, well, it, it, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I After Jordan Love, I think I'm out. Like, I burrow to a Herbert Love, and then there's, like, a cliff and then at the bottom of the cliff is Jacob Eason, and then there's another cliff, and then you'll find Jalen Hurts, and then there's a bigger cliff, and the rest of the class is down there. So I, I really think that – I mean, I think my quarterback rankings are, like, pretty much par for the course at this point. I mean, there's yeah, some Eason and some and some Hurts stands out there, but I don't know. They're developmental starters in my book, so. Um, oh. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm looking at the, at the quarterback rankings. I mean, I know you have Eason – what is it, round three? Yeah. Late third? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I have him a little bit higher. So he's he's my QB5. Same. So I have it Burrow to uh, Herbert in round one, Love and Eason in two, and then Fromm and Hertz in three, and Hertz is, like, barely uh, around three. Okay. And then I have a massive drop to, like, round six. So I, I know you don't have anything quite that drastic, but, uh, yeah, I have a three-round drop between QB7 and QB8. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm a little bit higher on the bottom of the class. Like, I kind of like James Morgan, and I kind of like Tyler Huntley uh, a good bit. So they ended up, like, bridging that gap between, like, Hertz and Fromm to, like, the bottom of the class where you start getting, into, like, Brian Lewerke and Shea Patterson oh, and, oh and Nate Stanley, who uh, I remember I was like, I'm going to do 20 quarterbacks this year. And then I did them three in a row, and I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm, ca- I'm capping it at oh 16. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I was like, you you can search for Devin and I on Twitter and just watch us post all of the terrible throws that those three produced. I've seen a couple. I saw the one Shea Patterson one where he just threw the ball like essentially straight up into the air, and I, I remember watching that on film. And I was like, oh my god, this guy was like a heralded transfer from Old Miss one year. He was supposed to revive Michigan. I'm gonna end up with a UDFA grade on this kid. Uh, oh. So. The funny thing is, so 
Brian Lewerke is the second lowest rated player that I watched this year out of 291. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I remember when Lewerke, I mean, like 2017, he was like some people's QB1 that year, like the first year that he was eligible. And like, I get had, it. He's he had tall. Upside. Yeah, he's tall. He's mobile. I mean, he's got an NFL arm. I mean, there's no doubting that. And he, he can move, too. He moves like an NFL quarterback. He looks like an NFL quarterback. It's just... I mean, he can't process worth a damn, and you know. Oh, you can cuss if you want on this. this If you want, (laughs) I'm just letting you know. We'll get there if we start talking about (laughs) Nate Stanley. Maybe I'll get there. But is he the uh, is he your lowest rated QB? He's my second lowest rated player in the class. Oh wow! Yeah, I wouldn't draft. I wouldn't draft Nate Stanley in the ninth round. (laughs) I just. I'm sorry. I I really try to be like. uh, I don't like spitting hot takes for no reason. But like, I just don't see it. I mean, there's one throw. It's from 2018, and he takes a play action pass. He drops back. T.J. Hawkinson has like. 35 yards of open field in front of him and he throws it like 10 feet over his head and i was like i was watching that over the summer like when i was doing summer scouting i was like oh i'm out like i turned off i watched like two games after i was like i'm done i can't that was like the worst throw ever and then it doesn't get any better and and he's another kid he looks like an nfl quarterback he's got you know he's got an arm it's just you know he checks the ball down he never takes any shots down the field he's you know he's overthrown noah fant by like 15 yards noah fant ran like a yeah, he ran like a 4-4, whatever the heck he ran at a tight end. And my man's like missing. Oh, my God. And then this year wasn't much better. It's just, oh, I, I can't with Nate Stanley, man. I, I don't see it. And some people think, you know, like even Matt Miller, right, he, from Bleach Report, he's a guy I have a ton of respect for. And he thinks he's like the best day three quarterback. And I'm like, man, I don't I, I don't see it. But, I you mean, know. he's my best round seven quarterback, if that means anything. Like, uh, but it doesn't. Yeah, I don't think like, that's... Uh... I mean, De- Devin and I could literally have a field day talk about Nate Stanley, but we've already had that conversation with Elton, <laughs> and we really don't want to dig that up. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah, so, Dante, I've seen a lot of the same things that, uh, you know, I see in Brian Lewerke, but it was just, like, his decision-making and just processing was so horrible. But, like, there, he showed, like, flashes of, like, being able to play in the NFL, but it was just like he would have two good plays and then he would just throw an awful pick, you know? Like the, yeah. the per- like the perfect example for me is like the Illinois game. They were up 28-3, to three, and he just threw a horrendous interception, like in the end zone, like triple coverage. And that pretty much like shifted the entire game. Um, yeah, I mean, that's why I have him in the sixth instead of like, you know, the seventh or UDFA. I mean, I think there's tools to certainly work with. You just got to get, you got to get him to understand, you know, post snap movement, different things like that. And just making better decisions, his mechanics too, are sloppy. You know, he misses with placement a lot, but yeah, th- those picks were all over his film. Um, I will say this when my final, uh, like 291 player big board is out, Michigan state fans are going to absolutely hate me. Yeah, my four lowest rated players in the entire class are all from Michigan State. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> I think they gave me PTSD this year. Yeah, well, wait. So it's what Lewerke, so, uh, the the receiver, so, and Bocce. So I actually have it. No, no, no. So I have it. Daryl Stewart Jr., the wide receiver. Okay. He had stones for hands. I didn't watch him. 
Uh, you're missing Good absolutely idea. nothing. Good <laughs> idea. I, know, I did 30 receivers and you make the cut. Uh, then Lewerke at 289. Okay. Then Josiah Scott, the corner in which Devin and I laughed for legitimately 10 straight minutes when he, uh, when he declared. Really? Yeah, he was bad. Um, Some people like Co- him, I think. Yeah, he's bad. Uh, and okay. then Cody White, <laughs> who, if we laughed for 10 minutes about uh, Josiah Scott, Devin and I have had four months to try to figure out why Cody White declared, and we still mm-hmm. haven't come up with a reason, because not only was he bad, his tape was bad last year, it got worse this year, and he still declared. I didn't know he declared. You want to, you want to know something funny? I, I didn't know he was in the draft class. I just literally heard no buzz about him at all. So yeah, you learn something new every day, I remember. I, guess. I remember getting a message from one of the guys we used to work with, and they messaged both of us, and it was like, Cody White declared, what do you guys think of his film? And we went, there is none. It was bad. Yeah. You actually can't find Cody White cut-ups? Oh, Lord. Yeah, like, you know how bad you have to be to not have individual cut-ups? Yeah, I mean, they try and cut everybody. Those guys do work, but... Oh, yeah. yeah. Sh- shout out to Mark Jarvis, by the way. Yes, please. He's, uh, he's His grading is uh, questionable at best, but, you know, his cut-ups <laughs> of, of players is, is very much appreciated. God dear. I like Mark a lot. I'm just poking fun at him if he's listening. Oh, yeah. He, um, he's got a great sense of humor about it, too. Yeah, he does. All right, let's move on to the running backs, because uh, yep. this is one where you gonna have you 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 got some splaining to do, son. Uh, yeah, I figured. I figured. All right, now I would like to know: Is marijuana legal where you are? Because I can't explain <laughs> Anthony. Mc... <laughs> I can't explain Anthony McFarland Jr. as running back five and a second round grade. Explain well, that to I, me like I'm five. I don't think marijuana is legal where I am. I don't really know the marijuana law in Pennsylvania, not going to lie. But um, for me, I McFarland's a player that I've had the opportunity to see up close about five times. Like I, I went down to Maryland to watch a ton of games. I was there live when he ate Ohio State alive in 2018. Uh, I saw him this year in Temple. He's a player I've had an opportunity to speak to. So like I'm just very familiar with him and – you know, obviously you try to take the biases out of your rankings, but I'm I'm really comfortable of the fact that, yes, his film did take a drop-off in 2019, but I know he was banged up. I know he wasn't 100%. So for me, I, I think I probably valued that a little bit less, which is why his grade is where he is. And I think the other thing is that I've grade running backs. Oop, I lost you guys. We're still here. We're just muted. We just muted. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought I lost good. you guys. Yeah, I got that. Um, but I think it also has to do with the way that I grade running backs. So like I value running backs who can hit the long ball over guys who are going to keep the, the offense on schedule. I just think the devaluation of the running back position itself, I think it's just more valuable guys who can pop up for long runs. And when you take a look at McFarlane, I mean, long speed, explosiveness, contact balance, he's going to be a touchdown maker at the next level. Um, and I just think that that is inherently more valuable than what you're getting out of some of the other guys. But I know that's going to be a controversial ranking, but you know, you got to take your shot in this business. And McFarland's a guy that I'm like super comfortable with. And um, even though he had to drop off this year, which I, I still acknowledge, but I don't know. I, I like, I like a lot of what he brings to the table. He checks a ton of boxes for me. I get that. I, I, I do get that, but having had to watch 
Maryland all year, I can tell you that there were some truly dreadful performances by him this year. Um, there was a good stretch. I'm pulling up his stats now because um, I don't remember all of them. But, I mean, he, he finished kind of yeah, – he had the great game against Temple, like you said. You saw that one live. Uh, then he yep. had nine carries for 24 yards. Two weeks later against Purdue, Purdue, which, like, everyone on that defense died. Like, everyone on that <laughs> defense got hurt. I remember covering that game with Devin, and we're like, does Purdue have our, – our running joke through that that the, the season was that Purdue had more people on their injury list than there were signatures on the Declaration of Independence. Oof. Like, everyone got hurt on Purdue this year. He had four carries for four yards. I mean, he only had four carries. I think it, you know, again, he was banged up. He couldn't stay on the field this year. And I think, you know, they, for some reason, thought Javon Leak was a dude. So they gave him carries, Um, you know, and and that offensive line, the whole Maryland team really collapsed. I mean, this was a team who was, you know, what they put up 72 points in like week two or week three or some crap. And then they they scored 17 against Temple. I mean, this whole team collapsed down the end of the year. I don't think you can put all of it on McFarland. I think he obviously could have been better, but, you know, the whole so, team went down the drain. Y- you mentioned the the, the, seven, the 79 points in week one against Howard and then 63 the next week against uh, Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, they, I, I do believe that um, they did not actually in conference play outscore those first two weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I mean... All- <laughs> I mean, the second they, I mean, I was surprised they beat Syracuse, but then they, they got to Temple, and I was like, man, Temple's going to get killed. Like, this is not even going to be close. I mean, these guys are putting up 70 points a game, and, you know, we got a bunch of newbies on defense, and they scored, like, 17 points. They had, like, turnovers and fumbles, and, you know, I don't know. That whole team went down the drain, and obviously it, you guys know better died. than me. They, they, just, <laughs> they, they just died. They, they, yeah. they, were, they were a punchline for several articles uh, over the course of, Basically from October on, because that's when we actually started doing the podcast, our first game that we watched of them for the podcast was against Rutgers, and that game doesn't count. Yeah, right. Because, uh, well, we... Rutgers. Uh, anyways, yeah. anyways, yeah, he, he did not have a great season, but Maryland... No. I have, I have McFarland as a round six guy. Uh, okay. He's running back 15. Okay. Um, I just... Again, he, he couldn't carry the momentum of, of the year before, and it's not that even that he couldn't carry the momentum. It just it just fell off a cliff. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously he could have had a better year. Again, I'm just more comfortable with what I saw in 2018, and I, I know where he was at from a physical standpoint in 2019. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm taking a shot on a guy that I – I just think his home run ability. I really think he's going to create a ton of big plays if given the opportunity. Um, yeah, you know, I, I like the way he's built. I think he's perfect for the modern NFL. I just, you know, it's it's hard for me to get excited about running backs who just don't create a lot of big plays, which is you know why I have Zach Moss and Clyde Edwards-Helaire where I have them. You know, and it's a it's a different view of the running back position. I don't think a lot of people scout it the way that I do. And, I, you know, I've said on Twitter a couple times, if you follow me, that I'm probably going to take a step back and reevaluate it this summer and just see see how it's been doing the past couple of years. But I don't know. I, I really think McFarland's going to create a lot of big plays. I think he'll surprise a lot of people. Do you think that uh, McFarland could have kind of a 
not necessarily an Alvin Kamara type of impact, but can mm-hmm. emerge as like that since he was like so underutilized in Maryland. Yeah, I think he definitely could. I think the distinction that I would draw between Kamara and McFarland is just McCar- or, um is that Kamara is just a significantly better pass catcher than McFarland mm. is. And I don't think McFarland's a bad pass catcher by any means. I just don't think he's given much of an opportunity. They haven't had a good quarterback at Maryland since I don't even know when. It's been a yeah. long time. Yeah, so I mean, you know, some of the balls that they were throwing him, you know, were just, you know, over his head or in the ground, you know, but I thought he looked pretty good, you know, just catching the ball away from his body. He made a couple guys miss in the open field against, I think it was Syracuse. He caught like a 25-yard touchdown pass, you know, so there, there's some flashes there. I think Kamara's obviously would be like a crazy ceiling for him, but that type of role I, I could definitely see. I mean, they definitely run similar. They both run angry. They both have, you know, really good contact balance. They're both super explosive. So I, I could definitely see that type of role for him. Yeah, because, I mean, now thinking back to watching him at Maryland, it was just like – it was just so confusing of why they weren't using him, you know. They were just constantly using Javon League. And just based off of what happened the year before for him, you just expected him to be a bell cow and get, you know, 15 to 20 carries. But it just seemed like then, you know, he kind of was battling injury. But then even when he was, like, healthy, they were, like, preferring, you know, Leak over McFarland. So I don't know if it was a kind of thing where he might have had tension with the coaching staff. I'm not saying trying to insinuate that, but it just felt like there was a disconnect between him and the coaching staff and, like, their offensive line was horrendous. You know, that that's partly why he, he took such a big dip in his production. But – it was just kind of mind-boggling because even in the games they were blowing folks out, he wasn't really producing that much. So it, you can tell if he had like a nagging injury or they just weren't using him or what was going on. Um, but, you know, now that you kind of bring that kind of that perspective, he does provide big plays. Like even, you know, this year, he they had a long run against Rutgers um, and uh, another long run, but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have him that high. I, I don't personally have him in, you know, top five in my rankings or anything like that. I also have J.K. Dobbins as RB1, you know, mm-hmm. compared to Swift. But I also do understand why Swift is RB1 for you. Um, but I do have Swift at two. Okay. But that was, like, yeah. that was like kind of the only thing, few things that, you know, uh, to point out from kind of your rankings. Now, yeah, I think I the, the oh, RB1. Sorry, yeah, no, just to address, like, the RB1 thing, I – Dobbins, Taylor, and Swift are separated by, like, almost nothing on my board. So, like, I mean, honestly, you know, I I really love Dobbins. I mean, there's, like, almost nothing separating them. I think, like, Swift is, like, 18 or 19, and I have Taylor at, like, 22, and Dobbins at, like, 24 or something like that. So, I mean, I I think putting any of them at RB1 is is totally fair. I just think Swift brings the most complete skill set, which is what I tend to gravitate towards. Um but yeah, Dobbins is really good. He had a great 2019. What a bounce back! Because I, I did not like his 2018 film. Oh, at neither all. did we. Yeah, and he had a great bounce back in 2019. So I, t- I totally get him being RB one. He was he was close for me. Uh, one more, and then we'll move on to the to the uh, wide receivers. Sure, Devin. I know you really like this guy during the regular season, and Dante has given him around five grade. Reggie Corbin from Illinois. Mm. Yeah. Um... I saw it was, what, ranked 17th on your list? Um, Something like that. It sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, 16th. 
Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Reggie Corbin. Uh, I think the round grade is appropriate. Uh, he's a smaller running back. Uh, really didn't have that impressive a season this year. Um, I mean, I don't really, I really don't have that much problems with it. Uh, I guess I just kind of prefer him over you know guys like Michael Warren and James Robinson, um, mm. people like that. But yeah, I, I I get that the ranking, you know, is what it is. Uh, honestly, because again, it was another kind of one of those things where Illinois was like so inconsistent this year, and there were games like kind of like McFarland, like Reggie Corbin had really good games, and then there was games he just completely disappeared. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I would see more explosive plays from him. You know, he 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 has a good burst in the hole, but it just like. He could never break off long runs. Like he would break off 20, yeah. 25 yard runs and then get stopped or 15 to 20 yard gains. He never had that breakaway speed. So I guess that's kind of the thing, you know, holding him back and being higher, uh, more highly yeah. running back. That was my thing with him is I, I kind of thought he would be much more um, explosive and just generally fast than he was. I was expecting like a, a really a big play threat. Uh, and then when I got to the film, I mean, you know, he's, He's got some juice, but it was just significantly less than I was anticipating. And then I, I just think he's a you know he's a role guy. You know he's not going to be the bell cow of a backfield. I think you know he's a rotational guy. So yeah, I think the fifth round is is about. I think it's pretty fair, honestly, for Corbin. I, I and you know what's difficult about the running back position, and it's you know again if if you follow me on Twitter, you know this, but like I don't like ranking running backs. I can't stand it because I'll rank a running back in the sixth round and the NFL will draft him in the sixth round and then he'll pop off for a thousand yards, you know, in his first season. And I got people on Twitter saying I'm dumb. And it's like, well, no, I'm not dumb. He just went to a good team with a good offensive line that fed him the ball 30 times a game, you know? So uh, ranking running backs is, is extremely difficult. I think it's just, you know, you have to pick a couple of traits and, and really just bank on those um, because any running back can go to a team with a good offensive line and be productive. I, I firmly believe that. Um, so, you know, it's, it gets kind of difficult. For sure, for sure. Um, taking a look at the wide receiver rankings, um, I I almost don't want to talk about this one because I don't want your Twitter mentions to be absolutely in flames from two very, <laughs> oh, no. very no, different no, 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 perspectives. No. Don't do it. Mm. But shall we talk about he who, who, he who shall not be named? Let's do it. Tyler Johnson in round three? Yep. I'm, you you kind of knew this one was coming. I don't. Is that? Lo- I feel like I'm high on him compared yeah, to a lot of people. Yeah, you are. You are. No, that's higher. what we're referring to. Because there, <laughs> oh, there are okay, still okay. Some that think he's like a round two player. They're not found outside of the state of Minnesota, but yeah, there are some that are like really high on him, and then there are also people that look at writers such as you know, uh, Matt Miller, or even some of the guys from Coast to Coast, Tyler Fornis. Or, you know, Devin and I, and think that we're really low because of the kind of, you know, the mismanagement of his pre-draft season, if you will. Mm. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I don't factor those things into my grades. I was going to say, this is more of pure film. Yeah, I do pure film unless there's, like, something that I can verify, like, if there's an arrest or that I can find verifiably, or there's an injury that I can find verifiably, but, you know, again, I can hear all the whispers I want, but, you know, who am I to say that Tyler Johnson is bad character or whatnot, but I, I will totally agree that he handled the pre-draft poorly, I mean, there's, 
you know, you have all this smoke around, like, not only it's can you run, it's like, you, what have you been doing for the past three months where you declined your invite from the Shrine Bowl to train for the Combine, and then you did nothing at the Combine. So, like, it's just, like, that is definitely weird, but that's not something I factor in my evaluation. What I, you know, what I did see on the film, or on the film is just, he's a solid slot receiver. You know, he's got really good yak. I think he can make really, really good high point catches. Um, his hands are inconsistent but i mean he makes a ton of really impressive catches above the rim on his film um you know i think he's solid in the open field i think he's a pretty good route runner you know and and that's something i think you can value late on day two i think i I have a late three on him so i i think i'm more towards the middle you know i don't think he's some like crazy good prospect but i also don't understand why people think he's you know really bad if there's some character concerns that i don't know about and he goes late on day three then so be it but i i think he's got like you know early day three late day two film out of the slot i just think he i just think he's real solid in there honestly so i have a five on him and okay it's it's partially due to like again the mismanagement of kind of the the options because i do kind of grade that in especially when it comes to like all right, you have an invite to, uh, like, the Shrine game. Obviously, yep. it's not the game he wanted to be invited to, which would be the Senior Bowl. Well, of if he if he participated and did well at the Shrine game, he would have been called the next week because I, I think he's better than uh, Tyree Cleveland, who was the guy that they brought in midweek. Um, oh, yeah. So you never know. So, like, that's kind of a blown opportunity. Can't really fault him for that. But then the Combine comes around and you decide you're going to wait till your Pro Day. Now, obviously, he didn't see the batshit craziness that is, you know, the global pandemic coming, canceling everything in its, you know, in its wake, coming. But you had the opportunity. More people are going to be at the combine than are going to be at your pro day, and it's not like you're a first round grade like a Joe Burrow, a Chase Young. So skipping the combine, not the greatest move. The LSU guys that sat out sat out largely because they had just played like legitimately barely over a month beforehand not a lot of time to train tyler johnson's been off since new year's so like it kind of it kind of just that all compounded and just i have questions about is there anything he does exceptionally well he does everything okay to good. He has some very questionable drops like the one that cost them in the iowa game his, his hands cost them against Iowa. And there were games where, I mean, Devin and I had to watch him on a week-to-week basis. Devin had Tyler Johnson on his fantasy team, and I had Rashad Bateman on mine. And there were games where they were funneling targets to Tyler Johnson, and he's not catching them. And Rashad Bateman, who is arguably a much better prospect, is not getting the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think Bateman's much better than Johnson. I'm I'm not gonna di- <laughs> I'm not gonna dispute that at all. I can't wait just... to dig into his film, man. I can't. Yeah, he's wait. gonna be fun. He's gonna be fun. There's a couple of guys on Minnesota's offense. I can't wait to watch this year. But oh, yeah. I mean, Johnson, I I think Johnson's pretty above average after the catch, and I think he's above average at the catch point too. Um, surprisingly, his hands are better above the rim than they are in front of his face. If you look at a lot of his drops, I mean, they're like, I mean, to me, they look like concentration drops or he, you know, he kind of struggles to um, adjust when like guys are flashing across his face, different things like that, I think. Um, but I, I also think he's above average route runner too, uh, if I'm being honest. I think he's he's pretty quick in, in and out of his breaks. And I think he's pretty smooth. Um, his tree's not that varied, but 
He's got really good feet, too, at the line of scrimmage. I like his releases versus press, um, different things like that. But I totally understand why you are with you are, like where you're at with him. Uh, I just I don't factor in things like, you know, a bad pre-draft unless I can verifiably nail it yeah. down. I just, yeah, I don't think that's fair, but I get it. I mean, there are, I, I'm not going to sit here and defend him not running at the combine. I mean, what, what have you been doing, like you said, since New Year's? You know, how are you not prepared for this event? Like, you, it's not like you went to the Shrine Bowl. Like, you can't even, <laughs> you can't even blame it on that. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a poor decision on his part. Now, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your guy, Joe Reed. Virginia, oh please because, i love joe yes. reed <laughs> um, the floor is yours yeah so joe reed is not really a, like a typical wide receiver he's kind of a wide receiver running back hybrid almost like antonio gibson um from memphis who's like a much more popular name in this category uh gibson's more running back than receiver johnson's more receiver than or sorry reed is more receiver than running back i just think Man, the skill set that he brings right now is just perfect for the NFL. First of all, he's the best kick returner in the class. He had the highest average, brought back multiple kicks for touchdowns over the past couple of years. He's got really soft hands. He can make adjustments at the catch point. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's got really good hops. I mean, there's a rep against Notre Dame where he jumps like, I mean, it looks like he jumps almost his own height into the air and just towers over this you know, Notre Dame safety who's coming down to make a hit. One of the more impressive catches I saw this year. And his ability to make people miss in the open field is just so impressive. He can cut on a dime, change directions. His hips are super smooth. His feet are quick. Um, I, I think, you know, Johnson is, I compared him to Ty Montgomery, I believe. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, Ty Montgomery, I think would add a better career if he had his head on straight a little bit. Um, but Reed, Reed is just perfect for today's NFL. I mean, just imagine him with the Chiefs, man, catching that ball from the homes, you know, in the screen game and the little, you know, RPO dump offs that they do and all that jazz. I mean, he would be perfect in an offense like that or the, or the Packers or or whatever. He's like the um, he's like the B minus version of LaVisca Chenault. That you know, that's kinda I think the the comp that I like to use for people too is you know, he's he's very similar to LaVisca, who's another player that I really like. He, they're built similar similarly they play similarly um and reed isn't the best route runner in the world you know you're not going to get a dynamic wide receiver one threat with him but you're going to get someone who can take any ball at any time to the end zone and i i just think that in today's nfl that is circled around passing the ball and getting it out to your athletes i just think joe reed is is perfect for that yeah i guess for me um i think your list between like 10 and 17 is intriguing. Uh, mm. Just There's so many different types of guys in that list. You know, you got people like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I did not like at all. But then I kind of like, after the season, realized that, you know, this quarterback, Shane Harrison, was absolutely horrendous. <laughs> and It comes yeah. full circle. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he was running like amazing routes and just getting overthrown underthrown just everything you can imagine um and it, it took me a while to really come around to him but i, I can definitely see why people will want to draft him I mean, his athleticism is crazy you know his testing numbers was, were crazy at the combine um yeah and then kind of like somebody um like went to cephas uh that's mm. the one that i definitely like during the season um he just made so many big plays for wisconsin I know his combine numbers were not that great, but I feel like he can be kind of a steal because, like, he just 
makes big plays. Like he's not exactly you know the fastest guy, anything like that. But I guess I mean he tore up Ohio State, and he's just someone that I always like. And having to watch the Big Ten all season, you know, I kind of gravitate towards you know the Big Ten prospects. But gotcha. Just yeah, I think that, yeah, just to see that you know you kind of appreciate his game, you know, compared to I really haven't seen his name brought up that much, you know, in the, you know, pre-draft process. So to see that, you know, you've given him kind of his, his uh, due diligence and, you know, he has the potential to be a contributor on the team. I think that was awesome as well. Yeah, I really like Cephas's film. I, I probably would have, I think he would have been ranked maybe 12th. I might have had him ahead of Brandon Ayuk, who I'm notably lower on than the consensus. Um, and his combine Prepare broke for my angry heart. angry Twitter people. Oh, I already got, I've been chewed out. I've, Ayuk's been the player that I've been chewed out most about this year. Uh, I, really? I didn't like him in the summer. I didn't like him during the season. I still don't like him that much. He's a third-round player. I don't know why people think he should go in the first round. Whatever. He should. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> No, but for Cephas, like, he broke my heart at the Combine. Like, and the way I do Combine testing is, is, like, if you check the box, like, all I need you to do is not be prohibitively bad. Same. But like, I like, I like that, uh, that outlook on it. Yeah, like, as long as you check the box, I'm not going to knock your grade. I'm probably just going to go with whatever I gave you for your film. But, like, Cephas killed me. Like, what did he run, like, a 4.73? Like, that's, like, beyond prohibitively bad. Like, that's, like... I mean, that, you know, that's bordering a bad time for a tight end. So I, I think, you know, for me, though, Cephas has tremendous hands. He has tremendous body control. I love his releases versus press coverage. I just think that, you know, he's got to come up with a little more juice somewhere. But like you said, though, I, I really like his game. I, I think he can be a contributor early, too. I, I just think he's real solid. I, I, that's how I would describe him. I think he's just... He's a solid player. He ran better at his pro day, which, you know, makes me feel a little bit better about where I have him ranked because I think I have a three on him. So, um, yeah, I like I liked his game a lot. He was one of the last receivers I watched this year, so his, his tape was a pleasant surprise there at the end. I, I think that your rankings kind of reflect uh, – I mean, I've seen some things on, on, on Twitter and, and heard in, in, um, in, in different podcasts this thing that there's like 20, 25, 30 wide receivers that are going to go in the top 100 or, you know, in the first mm. two days. And I think you're kind of in around where I am on, on the wide receiver class. You have 15 uh, that would be like a, you know, a day one or two player. I have – 15 as well i i think that it does kind of hit a bit of a plateau it's really hard to imagine that many wide receivers going early and i think both of us kind of have the grades to reflect what's probably going to happen yeah i mean like um like devin was saying like 10 to 17 i have like i mean just really tight on my rankings like there is not a huge gap between michael Pittman and brian edwards and then you start to get in the round four and i've got a couple sleeper guys up there like lynn bowden and joe reed who probably won't go that high but you know i like guys like isaiah coulter from rhode island really surprised me and isaiah hodgins from oregon state you know he could go in that range kj hill from ohio state who like it seems like i'm low on him but like i'm not it's just a good class and um so i mean there's there's a ton of guys and there's probably guys that I don't even watch because the, the class is so deep. I ended up doing 30 guys, but you did like 40 or whatever. And uh, you know, 43. there's going to be guys. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be guys who I didn't watch that sneak up into the, you know, the earlier rounds. I think, you know, 
I, I really think that it's not that crazy that like 20 guys are going to go in the first three rounds. I really, I don't think it's that insane, honestly, I, just because the talent's so good and there's a, a lot of teams who are going to be sitting there going, you know, just drafting for BPA and they're going to pick, you know, their best player on the board and more likely than not in this class, it's going to be a receiver. So I, I did 43 and the first thing that, that was texted to me when, uh, when my article was posted to blue chip scouting was from our guy mm. ET who just goes, yeah. why didn't Aesop Winston make your top 43? Yeah, exactly. Like, right. There's always another guy. That, like, <laughs> I swear, if I got to, like, every player at the receiver position that people talk about, I'd have, like, 68 receivers. Yeah, I have, I have my board pulled up now, and I have, like, 10 guys off to the side that I didn't get to. <laughs> it's just, like, it's, it's just so, what a crazy class. It's such a deep wide receiver class. Uh, kind of fun question here, and then we can move on to tight ends. Uh, sure. what, is, what is your consensus on KJ Hamler? I've seen over the last couple of weeks people are really split on – what he brings to the table and what he can do mm. at the next level. Yeah, so I have Hamler as my wide receiver nine. Um, I think the big concerns that I've seen with him and that I, I would agree with is that his hands aren't great, his catch technique is less than ideal. Um, but I'm going to be honest, I don't really care that much because when you can separate like he can, like he shouldn't be making contested catches. I mean, there's not a lot of corners and especially if you line them up in the slot I can guarantee there's probably no slot corner in the league who's going to be able to keep up with KJ Hamler and I think one of the things that impressed me most is how good of a route runner he is uh, I've you know a lot of these speed guys and Henry Ruggs was the same way as you know they're just speed they can run in a straight line and that's great but Hamler is really really good throughout his breaks he's really really precise with his footwork and I don't know, man. I, I, I think he's a second-round player. I think he can be a you know a blow-the-top-off-the-defense type option, um, kind of like Taylor, Taylor Gabriel was for Atlanta. I don't know if I made that comp in my article or not. I don't think I did, but he, you know, he kind of reminds me of him a little bit. Um, and, you know, his route running was way better than I was expecting. And, yeah, he can't – you know, he's probably not going to make a ton of catches through contact, and he might drop a ball here or there. But uh, the, if you can separate like he can, you're going to be productive at the NFL level. So – uh, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with them. I mean, then kind of moving it. We can go ahead and move to tight ends now. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, I want to say thank you for ranking Bryson Hopkins as tight end one. <laughs> because I've seen so many people, like, rank him three, four, five, six. Uh, Could not be me. He's tight end two. I will not take such slander from you, Devin. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying I ranked him that. I think he's tight end one for sure, and I've always thought that, even when the season ended. Um, but I, I guess both me and Mike were going to ask about this, but Albert O as tight end mm-hmm. 15, what yep. went into that? I just don't see it. I, I really don't. I mean – there is nothing on his film that indicates that his combine testing is going to be anywhere near the end, like what he's going to produce at the NFL level. I mean, he separates from almost nobody on film and he's not quick out of his breaks. His hips are stiff. His feet are slow. He's not. And also not only that, he's a huge dude and he can't block. I I, like, I I don't understand why people, I, I know it's a bad tight end class and there's a ceiling with Albert O, but Again, he's a guy who spent a couple years at Missouri. He was dinged up a ton. He's got some injury problems going on, and he's got a great catch radius. He has great hands, and I'll give him that. I think he has value in the red zone. I think he can be a seam guy, but, I mean, he cannot separate. He doesn't run routes, and he doesn't block. I mean, that that's like 
three of the top five things and that I can ask healthy. for. Yeah, and he can't stay healthy. And, you know, those are, what, four of the top five things that you ask for uh, on a daily basis. So, like, again, there, there's, you know, there's some stuff there with Alberto that I like. I don't want to come off like I'm just straight up bashing him. But, I mean, I just, I don't see the, you know, mid-round pick or some people still have him as tight end one I've seen. And I, I just do not understand at all. Like, I, sometimes you just don't see it with guys. And he's he's one of those guys for me this year. Well, I mean, I have made uh, no bones about it. Uh, if you've read any of my content on Blue Chip, if you've heard any of our podcasts since we started talking about the draft as a whole, I absolutely hate this tight end class. Um, I'm amazed you actually had a round two grade on any of them. Uh, Cole <laughs> Komet is my tight end one. Uh, okay. Overall on my board, he is 63rd. Bryson Hopkins is 64th, um, so they're essentially the same. I have six round three grades on tight ends. Okay. Um, and then I also have I also have six round five grades on tight ends. I hate this class, man. Literally, so two-thirds of this class is either a third round or a fifth round grade. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I think I wrote that too when I like posted my rankings. Like, this is not a good class. Like, I, I am not, not a huge fan. I mean, like my tenth tight end that I ranked has a fifth round grade. So like we're outside of day two in the top ten. You know, you come out of the receiver class. I got twenty dudes ranked on the first two days of the draft. It was like, you know, so it's it's completely different. I you know, but I think that there's contributors here and there i just don't i don't see a tight end one in this class outside of like maybe hopkins in two years which is why he's my tight end one um but i I just see a ton of guys who are tight end twos or developmental players you know if you wanted to be able to play special teams i'll tell you that much yeah i mean (laughs) literally starting at like number seven i'm like I started doing, like, can this guy play special teams? I'm not kidding. Like, with Josiah DeGuar at number seven, I was like, all right, he hustles. He can play special teams. You know, and then I was like, ah, oh, Harrison Bryant's a good athlete. He can play special teams. And he he's my number eight tight end. So, you know, that's just where we were at this year with the tight end class. I mean, if I had it happens. In, if I had factored in special teams, Alberto would be a lot lower than tight end eight. Like, <laughs> yeah, Carter Goddick summed it up perfectly when he said that Albert, you know, Okoye Bonham's, um you know, 40 time at the combine was the most shocking thing. More so than Mackay Becton, because, as he said, he could have ran a 5-1 and I wouldn't have been surprised. He played slow, ran fast, can't block. The tape didn't match what he put in Indy. Like, you're almost changing my mind, but I've already submitted that article, so... Yeah, I just I I just don't see it. And again, like I do factor in for athletic testing. It makes up a percentage of my grade. So I will say this. I didn't say I've never said this before, but he was a UDFA grade before he ran oh when he ran God. at the combine. I I um I yeah, he would have been one of my like three or four UDFA grades this year. I just don't see it. I, I think he should have gone back for his senior year and, and tried to show a little bit more juice and you know, but Missouri had like a mass exodus. They got problems going on over there. I don't know what they're doing, but um, yeah, his his combine saved him for me. Like he would have been my lowest ranked tight end. So there's now, a there's one, for you. <laughs> there's one guy that's not on this list. Okay. Um, that is on mine. He's a seventh round grade. His tape was not great, but mm. he can block. He was like never featured in the passing game. 
and partially because Shea Patterson sucks, and partially because of the <laughs> offense. But it was Sean McEwen, and I, I interviewed him down in Mobile, and I gotta mm-hmm. say, stock up to Sean McEwen, because when I asked about Shea Patterson, I could tell, because, I mean, he's a gigantic human being. He's 6'7 and, like, 260. Yep. That, you know, he's, he's just prototypical blocking tight end. And when I said that, you know, he didn't get a lot of chances to... Um, you know, to operate in the passing game, he was biting through his tongue so hard <laughs> to avoid just spitting straight flames at Shea Patterson, who, by the way, did not show up for media day. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he was nowhere to be found. He was supposed to be there and wasn't. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch I didn't watch McEwen. Uh, he's on my list, though, of like guys that I was going to watch and just didn't have time to. But uh, uh, big kid, six five, two fifty one. So yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely a good blocker. Um, you're really not going to see much from him in a passing game. <laughs> His uh, cutups so, are like three minutes long. Yeah, they're, uh, it's, yeah. A lot of the Michigan guys were like that this year. It's just <laughs> the way that it crumbles when yeah you got a bad quarterback back there. Dude, I so when when we had our when we were covering the Big Ten, we could for our fantasy teams we could only use Big Ten players. Oh, when Bryson Hopkins was on a bye week, I was having to rely on like Sean McEwen to be my tight end for for fantasy. Who do you guys and, start a quarterback besides Justin Fields? Oh uh, my Michael Penix God. Jr. from Indiana. Oh um, I had. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I had Adrian Martinez, the supposed Heisman win, Heisman winner, coming into. You the took season. him first overall. Well, listen. I I really didn't watch the I didn't watch the Big Ten before last year. Like I watched Ohio State, Penn State, like all the good teams. I didn't watch Nebraska. I didn't watch wrestling. So like everybody was high on Adrian Martinez coming into the season. So I'm like, you know what? Let me try and get him and see what happens. And that was a complete disaster. Well, I I I, I had most of Ohio State's offense. Um, mm-hmm. I also had Jonathan Taylor. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I basically collected Indiana, Ohio State, and that was about all I did. Oh, and Minnesota. I made sure to have uh, one of the Minnesota kids, um, and that's why I almost won the you know won, won the uh, won the league. Yeah, uh, the only thing that saved me was Penn State's defense, Pat <laughs> Firemuth, KJ Hamler, and uh, there was another receiver too that I had that uh put up ridiculous now i think i got rashad bateman no i had bateman oh you had bateman yeah tyler johnson well yeah i mean you bring up you bring up friar muth i mean i'm i'm really pumped for next year's tight end class there's a couple guys at the top that i think are real real good so you know hopefully we'll have a bounce back year next year and this is after a meh class last year at tight end if i remember correctly i kind of have this bad habit of the year after someone like goes pro i forget what year they were drafted so i had no idea that like marlon humphrey's only in year three i thought it was in like year five yeah he feels like a year five player doesn't he? dude i swear to god like (laughs) i once they're drafted i don't remember so like Mike Hughes' rookie year, the corner for the Vikings that was taken in round one out of UCF. I remember he was being talked about as like an all, yeah, you know, was like a defensive rookie of the year. I'm like, isn't he in year three now? Like, I just don't at all follow once they hit the pros. They're out of sight, out of mind. I keep the spreadsheet, but that's about it. 
Yeah, you know, that's part of the reason why I watch so much NFL is just to keep tabs on these guys, see how I did, you know. You can uh, you got to you got to evolve the process if you miss. Uh Oh, definitely. Tight end, tight end is like tough too cuz some of these kids, I mean, they they you know, they come in and they sit for 2 years and then they finally get their shot, you know. So you can't George you can't write them off too uh, quickly. Yeah, exactly. So Actually, I think I have He was 2018, right? Kittle? I feel like or was he 2017. I think he was 2017. I don't have that spreadsheet yeah. anymore. Damn it. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if I uh, even watched Kittle in 2017. That was like my first year doing this. So I, yeah, I, was, I think he was like tight end 11 for me or something like that. And I mean, every, everybody very, missed on Kittle. You know, I that think was just, only Matt Miller didn't miss on on George Kittle because he had him as like yes. tight end 5. Yeah. Yeah, he was 2017. Which is still kind of a miss if you think about it. <laughs> I, I kind of... I'm now curious, and we've rambled, but who cares? We just had to talk about tight ends. So, yep. I mean, Evan Ingram, O.J. Howard, and Joku, Gerald Adam Shaheen. Oh, God. Yeah. Not <laughs> Adam great. Shaheen is why I don't like Adam Troutman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's way too many th- similarities. My thing with Troutman is just that I, I think he's a fine developmental player. I mean, all the tools are there. Um, you know, I just. People want to hype him up like he's some kind of like uber athlete or he's some kind of like really good blocker. Um, you know, I, I, you guys obviously follow Dalton Miller on Twitter, but um, you know, he tweeted out the one picture of the one of the dudes that Troutman was blocking, and he was like five nine, one seventy something. <laughs> you know, like from Idaho Southern or some crap. You know, so I, again, like Troutman, School for the blind. Yeah, like Troutman's fine. I, I just I don't see tight end one. I, I just think that there's a ton of hurdles you have to get over, level of competition, play strength, um, and I don't think he's that good of an athlete either. I think he's a fine athlete, and there's nothing wrong with that, but he's not like overly explosive. I don't think he's crazy quick in short spaces. I don't think he's really fast down the field either. I mean, you know, my argument, you know, people are like, oh, well, he puts, you know, guys in the dirt when he's a blocker i'm like yeah but he should be those are division two guys i'm gonna ask this dude to play in the nfl next year you know he should be putting them in the dirt especially when they're five nine one seventy or whatever that one kid was you can go search it after this it's it's really funny dalton did like a thread on it. it's hilarious but um yeah i don't know i like troutman I, I don't again i think he's good i just think he's gonna take time i think he's gonna have to sit for a couple years and then maybe after that you know we'll see we'll see what he's got all right, now, so we've kind of caught up with all of yours. Uh, so I'm assuming your next one's going to be the offensive tackle. Or is there any any juicy uh, tidbits uh, for the offensive tackles we could expect to see? Oh, I am low, marketably low, uh, on two guys who are getting first-round buzz. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I know I, one of them. Yeah, so one of them, uh, Daniel Jeremiah tweeted about today. Uh, that he will get first round buzz. I don't see it at all. Oh, I uh, he's see a, this. Yeah, he's a day three player for me. Um, I'll, I'll just spoil it. I mean, it's Isaiah Wilson from Georgia. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he's uh, he, yeah. he's OT nine. So yeah. Yeah, he's uh, outside of my top ten. So that, that's going to be a big one. I think people get mad at me about. Um, probably too is Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. Don't see oh, it. OT thirteen. Uh, yeah, I think I might have him at like 15. So, yeah, I just uh, those are two guys that I think the NFL will like better. And you know, honestly, we've seen kind of that trend where the NFL is just drafting these super raw linemen and turning them into 
somehow marketable starters in like their first year. Like even Titus Howard and like Max Scarping were like okay for the Texans last year, uh, despite that they were both overdrafted by multiple rounds. So um, agreed. Yeah, the you know so offensive line evaluation is getting weird. Where it's like, as in my opinion, like Ezra Cleveland definitely has day three film, but I mean he has first round tools. Like I'm not going to tell you that he doesn't, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see how the public reacts to me hating on those guys. But um, I don't think the public's going to hate you not liking Ezra Cleveland, because um, Twitter essentially um, says the same thing that he's like a a, a day. Th- a day three guy. The one I get the most hate out of for not being high on is Prince Tega Winogo. Okay. I yeah, need I someone I... to explain his hype like I'm five. Um, well, I believe he's like my OT7. I'll pull it up. I wrote the article he's already. He's OT12 so... for me. Okay. I mean, my thing is that there's a ceiling that he possesses that a lot of other guys don't, and I think he has a lower floor. Yeah, so he's my OT7. I I just think that there's so much room for him to grow. He hasn't played a ton of football. So, yeah, he's raw from a technical standpoint. But he's got really good movement skills. I think he's a good blocker in space. Um, You know, his feet are pretty smooth. I think you just have to clean him up around the edges. He's a powerful kid, too. He moves guys off the line in the run game. Uh, I'm just kind of projecting that ceiling a little bit. I'm probably just a little bit more confident in what he can become than you are. I I would imagine that would be our disconnect. Um... But yeah, so I, I don't know. I think he's like a late second round guy, probably for me. All right, so we've uh, we, we've talked a little bit about just about everything. Uh, we yep. will have to do this again in the future once Miami is eventually done selecting all seventy eight of their picks. Uh, uh, don't hold your breath; class. it might be another oh. two years before we uh, stop having a million picks. We still got plenty of them for 2021 but so. we can at least review them so i don't have to go <laughs> yes, head to can. head and, yes, and have can. and have devin somehow draft josh uche in like round five to beat me a fourth time <laughs> it, it's it is beautiful man i mean i am i am you the see next... what i have to deal with dante <laughs> i i am the next hot gm on the market all right like hey if, Let me know if you get hired. I'd love to be a scout in the department. <laughs> listen, you you two guys will be the first two guys I'll call, and we're going to take over the league and win five championships in ten years. I I'm legitimately ready. had every single person on Twitter go, yes, Mike, your draft was better than Devin's in the Panthers, and I still lost. I just have <laughs> a knack of finding people's guys. Like, I, didn't even, I don't even do research. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking like, hmm. Like, you know, this guy's gotten a lot of buzz. Well, I pick him, and then it just happens to be the person's guys. I mean, hey, that's the smart way to do it if you're if you're doing the votes on Twitter. Just pick the uh, you know the popular sleeper picks. That's that's the best way like, to do it. Again, he lost last week's um, uh, like Twitter poll that I put out, but I literally lost purely because I picked Shaq Quarterman in round five. That was like <laughs> the only reason I was given. I picked the better players, but just you know. Shaq Quarterman was drafted a round too early. I mean, I have a five on Shaq Quarterman, so... Uh. Yeah, I don't think I did that bad of a job. Yeah, Anyways, guys, <laughs> until next week, 
I've been Mike Nation. You can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore draft. You can find Devin on Twitter at Real D underscore Jackson. You can find Dante on Twitter at Dante Colinelli. You can find all of our work over at Blue Chip Scouting. Dante is going to continue crushing out those rankings. I have to get through a really busy school week, then I will finish cranking out mine. Uh, then before you know it, it'll be the draft and we'll probably spend like a month talking about the draft because we only do this like once or twice a week. And then it's time to talk about college football. And that's going to be really fun if we have college football. Fingers crossed we'll have college football. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Stay inside. All that good jazz. We'll see you next week.